thank you for the harvest that's going to come home, Father God. We just call them. We call them now and say, come home. Lost ones, come home. Come home tonight. We speak to your spirits and we say, come home. We thank you, Jesus. We thank you that they will. God, we thank you. God, we thank you that you love them. God, and you're calling their spirits home tonight, Father. God, we agree with that prayer. God, we decree and declare that they will come home, Father, and that they will do great works for you, Father God, the things that they were intended to do, Father. God, we thank you. You're such a big God, and we thank you, God, that God, we have no doubt what you're going to do. We just praise your name, Father. We worship you tonight, Father God. We thank you. You're such a good, good Father. You're such a good father. Yeah, we worship you, Jesus. Yeah, the Lord's presence is here. He's He's here to set captives free. Thank you, Lord. I just, I felt in worship tonight that there was an angelic presence and I feel like the Lord has sent that presence to lift off depression. So I'm just going to read a scripture. I'm going to ask if, if you're feeling a heaviness over your life over the last however many days. Just like a, a dark cloud that you feel like you just can't shake. I'm going to tell you tonight that's not who you are. That's not you. If you feel this heaviness, if you feel depression, if you just feel like, why, oh my soul, are you so downcast? I'm not going to ask you to come to the front, but I'm going to ask you just to raise your hand where you're at, and I'm going to read the Word of God over you. The Lord is going to lift that depression off. So if you're feeling that, I just want you to pop a hand up. Everyone else can keep their eyes closed. I'm just going to look. If your hand's raised, I'm just going to believe that's the Lord. That's you saying yes. Okay. Okay, you can put your hand down. This is what the Word of God says. The Spirit of the Sovereign Lord is on me because the Lord has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captives and release from darkness for the prisoners to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor 
and the day of vengeance of our God to comfort all who mourn and provide for those who grieve in Zion to bestow on them a crown of beauty instead of ashes the oil of joy instead of mourning and a garment of praise instead of a spirit of despair and the end result is this you will be called an oak of righteousness a planting of the Lord for the display of his splendor thank you John I've been muted the whole time well that's a bummer but no that's okay let's see we said uh, with God nothing is impossible the same Spirit of God that is in that raised Christ from the dead is in you. I'm just doing a quick recap for the recording. You and I have been called to the ministry. God has prepared good works. He's prepared good deeds, works of ministry for you and I to do in advance. So hopefully you didn't tap that up too much because it didn't, it wouldn't have needed it. Okay. So this message today kind of would land under the topic of at what we would call a kingdom culture or a kingdom value for Legacy City Church. Some of the DNA that, that Tammy and I have received that we believe that God has called us to massage into the church. Now, don't think you're going to get a massage. You know, I'm not going to rub your shoulders. I'm just massage, you know, teach, kind of spread the truth in there, just kind of awaken our hearts. And one of those kingdom values, kingdom cultural values, is this culture of taking risk. John Wimber said, faith is spelled R-I-S-K. How many of you know, if you don't ever take a risk in life, you're, you're not going to go anywhere, right? No. I mean, yeah, a lot of things do fall in our lap by God's sovereign grace. But really, moving forward in life takes us to de make decisions. And I, like, I love Steve Backlund's book. He has this new book called The Art of Decision Making. And in, basically, his message is, make a decision and then attach faith to it yeah. so in order for us to move forward in the things that god has for us we have to take steps of faith like he he could just sovereignly take control of us like possess us and all of a sudden we're just sometimes the lord might feel like he does that if you're like under the anointing and power of the holy spirit in that moment you might feel like you're being overridden and yeah, he might do that. But in your day-to-day -day experience, God has called you and I to yield to him, to seek him, to follow his voice in everything we do. Now, that doesn't mean that you have to go into a quiet room every 10 minutes to get the next step. You know, oh, I should go do dishes now. Oh, I should go mow the lawn now. Oh, okay. Oh, I'm supposed to tell my wife how awesome she looks today. You know, I don't need to hear from God for those things. But there are things that God wants to deposit in us that requires us to take steps, to take risks. So let me jump ahead here. Acts 2.17, you all know the scripture so well. This is Peter quoting Joel, the prophet Joel, when the Holy Spirit was poured out in the book of Acts. He said, trying to explain what all the commotion was. All the people were, were praying and were speaking in tongues and they were declaring the, the mysteries and, and wonders of God in different languages. And Peter stands up and he quotes Joel here. He says, in the last days it shall be, God declares, 
that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh, and your sons and daughters shall prophesy. Notice he didn't say, and the prophets shall prophesy. He's going to pour out his spirit on all flesh. In all flesh, the sons and daughters of God, the sons and daughters are going to prophesy. And your young men shall see visions. Brace yourself, young men, Lawrence, Dad, Oscar. I'm not skipping you. Just bouncing around the room. Young men, you're only as old as you feel. Maybe that's not a good example. You're only as old as you think you are. If you want to, you know, wrap your mind around your age. I just want to pretend I'm 20 for the rest of my life, that I have the energy of a 20-year-old. Is that okay? Is that all right with you guys? Is that all right, Tammy? Yep. Okay. So your young men, even if I'm 55, I'll, I'll claim this for myself. We'll see visions. Your old men shall dream dreams. So prophecy, dreams, and visions are things that happen, things that take place when the Spirit of God comes upon the sons and daughters of God. If you are a Christian in this room, you have received the Holy Spirit. You have received the, the person of God who enables you and I to hear His voice, to experience prophecy, to get a download from heaven of what God is doing or showing or saying, and to be able to release that. We're going to talk a little bit about that, what that looks like, how to release what God gives us. But also, in we even, uh, Dan uh, McCollum, who was praying that thing at the end of the worship tonight, um, he even was praying that, that God would release dreams. Like we release the spirit of revelation over those that need to come running home to God, that they would hear God's voice in their dreams, that, that they would be awakened, their hearts would be awakened. So we're going to get to the, the risk in faith, but I felt like it would be important for us to know, well, what are we taking risks in faith to do? Well, in this context, in the church world context, I would say it's to do the work of ministry. It's to be Judy at Costco giving out her samples and hearing what God is saying, hearing what the Lord is saying, and then covertly slipping that word to that person as they take their sample. One of the cool things about giving a word to somebody is they don't, it doesn't have to be couched in the words the Lord said. I heard the Lord and I release that word to you. If you're giving a word that God tells you in public to someone you don't even know if they're a Christian, there are creative ways that you can communicate to them. You could just say, you know what, as they take the sample from your sample tray, don't mind me sharing this, but I just had this thought. There's something about your countenance, your face, your eyes. There's something about your presence. I just feel like you're a really kind person. That there's some good things that are happening in your life. You, know, you just work with God, but I'm just saying, be free from the religious terminology when you feel like you have something to give to somebody prophetically. The Spirit of God will give you the words to say. I think a lot of times we get caught up in overthinking it, right, sis? We, we, we were talking about this. You know, sometimes we, we get nervous. We're like, I don't know what I'm going to say. You know, I don't, maybe I don't feel like I know enough scriptures or something. We just need to take a step back, take a breath, say, okay, Holy Spirit, 
what would you say? What would you have me say? Okay. Okay. So here's a few things I just kind of wanted to toss out. So you guys can have fun with these. This is, these are some points, I, I borrowed them from Bill Johnson's uh, book, his training called Hosting the Presence. You and I have been chosen by God to host. Well, you are a living, breathing host of the Spirit of God, of the presence of God. So as you and I carry him around in our day-to-day -day life, as we walk on this earth like a, like a, however you want to picture yourself, a vessel, a giant gold goblet before the king, I don't know, a, a wine barrel, a walking, talking wine barrel, a hose connected to heaven where the fire hose just sprays the... However you want to see yourself, the Bible says you're a temple of the Holy Spirit. You are a vessel. You are an earthen vessel filled with treasure from heaven. So here's some things that can just help us to facilitate and increase our own awareness of his presence. You guys ready? What you fear infects what you worship. Right, you're thinking, well, how does that have to do with hosting the presence? Well, you're a worshiper of God. You know, we're going through this wonderful class right now, the fear, or it's not the fear, of, it's the awe of God, but it's, it's all about the fear of the Lord. If you fear the Lord, it's going to affect how you worship Him. As you worship God, but if there are other fears in your life, that those also, unhealthy fears, will also affect your worship to God. I'm not going to belabor that one. We'll just kind of leave it up there to let your mind go with that one. We always become like whatever we worship. If you worship God in spirit and in truth, you are going to become more and more like Jesus. I'm not saying you're going to become God, okay? Don't hear me wrong. It's not what this is saying. You're going to, we want to become like Jesus, right? Does anyone in here not want to become like Jesus? We're not talking about the sandals and the beard, ladies, okay, so. I mean, the sandals maybe, but not the beard. Beards are cool, though, to the bearded men in the room. God has a name for you that is the opposite of your greatest weakness. Think about it. Think about your greatest weakness. Think about the things that keep you back from, from doing the things that you would think would be being used by God over. Like saying that word of encouragement to that person. What is the weakness that holds you back? God has a name for you. God has, I'm not saying he's going to change your name from whatever your legal name is to something else, but he speaks over you and I. He says to your, your nervous, timid mind that might be nervous or, or scared to share something, he says, you are strong, you are courageous. You are bold. You have the mind of Christ. You have the words to speak. This all goes back to you and I learning how to hear his voice, learning how to lean in and ask God questions. What are you saying? What are you saying about me? What are you saying about me? What are you saying about this guy over here? Fire. <laughs> God wants to use your uniqueness to illustrate his message. Did you know you don't have to be like Bill Johnson? You don't have to be like whoever your favorite preacher, speaker is. Maybe you have someone in, in the body of Christ that's not a well-known figure, and you're just like, I wish I could be more like them. God has designed you and your uniqueness, your own unique fingerprint, 
and voice on this planet. And he wants to illustrate his message. He wants to bring Jesus to people around you through you, through your unique display. Yeah. In fact, when you're trying to be like someone else, you're actually robbing everyone around you of what God intended Ooh, you to be. That was good. Say yeah. it again, baby. <laughs> Say it again. <laughs> if you try to be like someone else, you're robbing everyone around you of who you were intended to be. Because, because God has a specific call and purpose on your life, and you're trying to be like this person over here, that means you're not fulfilling your calling in your life because you're too busy comparing to someone else, and comparison just brings death. Wow. I'm going to have to go back and listen to the recording. Wow. Good one. Got more? She has the unction to function. <laughs> Conjunction function. So God wants to use your uniqueness to illustrate his message. <clears throat> Jesus did not live in reaction to darkness. Aha. Here's a good takeaway for all of us tonight. We got a lot of darkness around us, don't we? Yeah. No? You have such a good perspective. Can I spend time with y'all? <laughs> I recognize the darkness, but I don't live moved by it. So, but this, that's what this is saying. Jesus did not live in reaction to darkness. He lived responding to the Father. That's our, our heart. In, in this, this message, in this cult, kingdom cultural value of taking risks in faith, we don't want to take risks in faith to respond to what the devil's doing. We want to respond to the Father. And, excuse me, if you, see the, if you see demonic activity happening, if you see someone's life, they're just like in, entwined right at that moment with the demonic spirit, that's the moment where we say, Father, what are you doing? What do you want to do? Right? And we can do ministry out of memory, but it's much more effective if we do ministry out of what is the Father doing, just like Jesus did. I mean, if, you know, if all else was just do it out of memory, I suppose, you know, take a risk. <laughs> I just went against my own message there. No, I'm, I'm, being, I'm being a little silly. I think my point is, if you don't feel like there's a specific direction or thing to pray or do that the Father is showing you, but you do know he wants you to do something, then do it out of the equipping, out of your memory of what you've learned. Because what you've been studying and what you've been learning over the years of how to do work of ministry is not negated by the fact that you're listening to the voice of God. We take these tools, we learn these, these tools, these ministry methods, we, we build our toolkit, our arsenal, but we don't want to use those tools without asking God, which tool should I use at this moment? Do I cast a demon out? Or do I just release the peace of God because maybe there is no demon? Does that make sense? Is everybody tracking? Okay, good, because I want to move on. I don't know why you guys want to stay on that one. Okay, the presence of God rests on people, not ministries. And this is kind of a random smattering of little Bill Johnson quotes, but it's all from hosting the presence. It all has to do with you and I growing in our understanding and effectiveness of releasing his presence so like you carry him with you he doesn't want to stay trapped inside of you that's kind of like trying to keep a lion trapped inside of a cage 
Jesus is the lion of the tribe of Judah, and he is roaring to get out. Like, he wants to break open the cage of your heart, of your body, and he wants to release his kingdom, his rule, through you dispensing it. So, the presence of God rests on people. Take it for yourself. He rests on you, Tao. He rests on you. Lawrence, the presence of the Lord rests on you. Like the Bible says to all of us, he is for you, not against you. Greater is he who is in you than he or whatever that is out there, that spirit that is in the world. So, did you have something? Yeah, it just kind of goes back to the first point, what fear infects, or you know, what you fear infects what you worship. And if we fear the Lord in a healthy way, being distanced from him, then we're not fearing man. So in that fear, you're, the presence of God can rest on you because you're not in this thought process or whatever. We get caught up in a fearing man, which I think is, can just snuff that out. Yeah. So, and so she's talking about fearing God above all, above all else, not a fear that pushes you away from God, but a fear, as we've been learning in the Wednesday night class, a fear of being distant from him, a fear that actually drives you closer to him because you don't want to be a, a, away from him. But the unhealthy fears, they do infect our worship. If we're carrying fear of sickness, fear of dying, fear of not having enough, fear of you know, the economy collapsing, that could happen, but we don't need to live in fear of any of those things. I'm just saying, I'm saying that we're, we aren't like pretending nothing bad will ever happen, but we're not ruled by the fear of those things happening. Because we know that when bad things do happen, instead of being afraid of that, we have God who is bigger than those fears, and he always makes a way. There's always a way. And if it's your final day, if it is your time to cross from, from life on earth into eternity, then he's going to bring you right into his presence, which is, by Paul said, I would rather by far be with the Lord. Like, I'm torn between the two. I'm not saying I want to die. You know, I do want to be with the Lord, too. I think it's kind of like what Dan McCollum was saying at the end of worship. You know, come, Lord Jesus, come. We know that's about wanting the Lord to return, but we also... You know, we want to see people saved. We don't, we want them to come back, but God, can you wait just a little longer until my family members all get saved? Okay, let's keep moving here. We are going to read Genesis 28, 10 through 13, and then I did a little pause there uh, and went to 16 to 17. So this is after, after Jacob was blessed by his father Esau, or father Esau, excuse me, that's his, not his father, that's his brother. After Isaac blessed his sons and Jacob stole the blessing from his brother, <laughs> I have a feeling Isaac knew it was him. But anyway, you don't look like, you don't feel like Esau. There's that smell of wild animals. I don't kind of smell like your brother. I guess I'll just give you the blessing. I think he knew something was up. But anyway, this is what happened after this, this encounter with with uh, Jacob receiving the blessing from his father. It says, Jacob left Beersheba and went to Haran. And he came to a certain place and stayed there that night because the sun had set. 
taking one of the stones of that place, he put it under his head, because his head was as hard as the stone. No, I'm joking. And he lay down in that place to sleep. And he dreamt, or he dreamed. Is it dreamed or dreamt? I typed dreamed. And behold, there was a ladder set up on the earth, and the top of it reached to heaven. And behold, the angels of God were ascending and descending on it. And behold, the Lord stood above it and said, I didn't put everything that he said because the point was the Lord spoke. Okay? There's a reason why I'm going here, so just bear with me. Verse 16 says, Then Jacob awoke from his sleep and said, Surely the Lord is in this place, and I did not know it. And he was afraid and said, How awesome is this place! This is none other than the house of God. This is the gate of heaven. So Jacob named that place Bethel, Bethel, or Bethel, which means the house of God. It's the first time in the Bible that the house of God is mentioned, that, a, that, that there's a description of this encounter with God's presence, with heaven and earth intersecting. And he called that, that, that occasion, that encounter with God, the house of God. This is, this is the house of God. This is the gate of heaven. Later we see you know, Moses building the tabernacle and then the different temples that were established over, over time. Then we have Jesus coming into the earth and he, the Bible says that he tabernacled among us like he was the temple in human flesh. You guys tracking with me? And then you and I now become the temples of the Holy Spirit, right? So we don't need a temple. God does not dwell in, in buildings and structures, right? Jesus said to the woman who at the well, I think it was the woman at the well, um, well, you know, where, do you, where should we worship? You Jews worship there, and, you know. Anyway, Jesus said there's a time coming where you won't worship here or there. You will worship the Father in spirit and in truth because that's the kind of worshiper he's looking for. So we, Paul says, are the temple of the Holy Spirit. And when you correlate the activity of that original experience that, that Jacob had with God, where the angels of God were ascending and descending, heaven was open, then we can take away from that. Let's see if I have it in my notes here. Ah, yes. Here's three things that a house of God has. If you are a house of God, this is yours. I know I'm kind of feeling a little bit bouncing around here, but this is what you have. This is your inheritance as a Christian. The house of God has an open heaven, angelic activity, and the voice of God. If you could renew your thinking, if I could renew my thinking so that every day when I walk and do my job and, and love on my family and, and I'm trying to be a good citizen in Bremerton, when I go to Fred Meyer or Costco or wherever I go, if I could keep this in mind, I have an open heaven over me. You and I have open heaven access to God. Jesus made that possible for us. You have an open heaven and you have angelic activity. Angels ascending and descending. I said it earlier, God could do it without the angels' help, but that's, that's just how he's designed it. He, he created them to be our helpers. Bible says that he in Hebrews 1 he says that the angels are winds and flames of fire sent to minister to those who will receive salvation so they're there to help us they strengthen Jesus 
when he was um, going through the temptation. I believe they came to strengthen him also in the garden when he was sweating drops of blood. So anyway, angels come to minister strength. God sends them with gifts to bring. And number one should be the first thing, actually. I know it's number three, but it should be number one, the voice of God. You have the voice of God. Bill Johnson says the only closed heaven a believer has is between their ears. So if you don't believe you have an open heaven, then you're going to walk with like you don't have one, but you actually do. You have direct access to the Father by one Holy Spirit because of what Jesus did on the cross. That's in Ephesians 2. You have angelic activity and you hear the voice of God. Jesus said, my sheep know my, hear, will hear my voice and they won't follow after a stranger. So a gate is a transition place from one realm to another. In other words, your life here on earth is a transition place. You are a gate for the, the kingdom of heaven to come into earth. I'll let you wrestle that one out with God and kind of figure out how does that work, Holy Spirit. But if the Spirit of God who is in you has the ability to be released from you, then the kingdom is in the Holy Spirit. Paul said it. Righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. The kingdom of heaven is in the Holy Spirit. Romans 14, 12, I believe. So then the kingdom of God can flow through you. The rule and reign of Jesus can flow through you to bring his dominion into earth as he leads you to do that. When we are, excuse me, what does that say? Oh, when we are conscious of an open heaven, we live differently. Do you think that would change the way you live and talk and interact with people in life? If you were more, more aware, more conscious, more conscious of the open heaven that you have over your life? Maybe how you approach someone to pray when you know, like, I've got an open heaven. You got sickness? Come right here. Sickness does not penetrate this, this uh, space right around me. In fact, if you step into this space, you'll get healed. I'm not going to catch your stuff. Your shadow will always release what overshadows you. Peter's shadow healed people. He walked past all kinds of lame people laid out on the wherever sidewalk, or it wasn't probably sidewalk, but along the road. And his shadow, as it passed over them, had so much anointing and power on his life that even his shadow caused people to be healed. It's not because he had a special gift of healing. It's what was overshadowing him. What overshadows you will come out of what you carry. Your shadow will always release what overshadows you. If you're walking under a dark cloud of uh, the Eeyore spirit, if, you have, if you're subject to the Eeyore spirit, okay, I'm not saying anyone in this room, but you all know what I'm talking about. Oh, it's going to be a terrible day. You know, it's... The, the supervisors here are trying to kill us. They're trying to destroy us, you know. That kind of a spirit will overshadow you if you partner with it. The enemy partners with you when you agree with what he's broadcasting or what it is broadcasting. You guys doing okay? This is going to start rolling really fast here. So the Holy Spirit lives inside of us for our sake, but he comes upon us for everyone else's sake. You are sealed for heaven. If you said, Jesus, come into my life, the Holy Spirit came and lives now inside of you. Right now, he is living inside of you. He's never going to leave you or forsake you. 
but you also have the Spirit of God resting upon you, just as Jesus had the Spirit rest upon him in the form of a dove when he was baptized in water by John. The Spirit rested, the Spirit of God rested on him and remained. You and I want the anointing of the Holy Spirit to come and rest on us. A key to hosting the presence of God, take every step with the dove in mind. You want to carry the presence of God well, you want to host him well, be mindful of his presence resting upon you. Somebody wrote a book called, um, oh, what was it called? I can't remember now. It had to do with the Holy Spirit being the dove and not scaring him off. I'll think of it later, but yeah, it sounds good. Sounds fun. Sounds like a good thing to know, right? Okay, here's where I wanted to take a moment. The ways that you and I can release the presence of God through our words, through touch, through prophetic acts, through acts of faith. I wanted this to, to be, in a sense, like a commissioning tonight. I think what we'll do is we'll, we'll allow the end of the night when we do communion, when we take communion together as a yes and amen. Let's, let's let that be a yes and amen, an agreement with God that what Jesus did on the cross and provided for us is, is what we need. It's, it's enough. What he has given us is enough. You know, I was thinking about this. I was thinking about Nevaeh. I was thinking about your ability to do prophetic songs and artwork. Same with Nora. I know Nora is inspired in the presence of God to do artwork. I want to encourage you to, and everyone in this room has different ways to release the, the presence of God through your words, words that God gives you to speak, through your touch, laying a hand on that person who is going through it. And you, maybe not even telling them that you're praying, but you're just releasing the presence. Maybe it's a prophetic act. Maybe it's drawing a picture or painting a picture and asking God, who is this for? And then giving them that picture and telling them, God, God gave me the inspiration to draw this picture and to give it to you. Same with a song. An act of faith, doing some special deed for somebody that God prompts you to do. There's so many ways we can release his presence. Okay, so the rest of this is going to roll really fast. I just have some stories. You guys doing okay? Everybody all right? You're not falling asleep on me? Okay, good, because I get nervous about that. I don't want to see yawning or files coming out, filing your nails. As we were told by one of our uh, friends that that's how... That's what she would do in church because she was so bored. So she's like, we're like, okay, I guess if we ever see you filing your nails in our, in our meetings, then we know. Okay, so let me, just, let me just read some stuff and just take what you want from it. It's not scripture. It's just some good quotes. Throughout our lives, we have all taken risks and steps of faith, whether it was in choosing to move somewhere new or taking an unfamiliar job or choosing a university or investing in a new company Whatever the risk, it took faith to step out of your normal and into something new, not knowing what the end result would be. 
The goal is to live with an appetite for risk and faith. God help me with it because anyway, knowing that when we step outside the norm, we allow room for God to show up. We know how to take big risks ever so often, but are we daily willing to walk in risk and faith? What does that look like? How can we get started? Man, I, I cringe a little bit because I like, I'm a guy who likes to be in his comfort zone. I don't like stretching. I mean, actually physically at the gym and in, in the spirit. Like, I don't like to be stretched, but I know it's good for me. It doesn't always have to be a negative thing, right, Tao? That's right. <laughs> Stretching can be a good thing. So, yeah, what would it look like on a daily basis? Here's one of our guys that we used to see a lot at Bethel, Kevin Dedman, from his book called Only One Encounter Away from Being a World Changer. Just one encounter away. Come on, Kara, just one more encounter. You're going to be a world changer. <laughs> So this is what he said in his book, a little snippet. It says, from having an encounter with God to having a relationship with him and falling in love with Jesus, I took a big risk. I did the thing that I never wanted to do, give up everything to follow his heart. I quit the job I loved, left all my friends behind, and moved to the small city of Redding, California to attend Bethel's School of Supernatural Ministry. It wasn't an easy decision, but this risk became the best thing in my life. Through two years of training, I have learned more about taking risk, bringing God encounters to other people's lives, and seeing many people get healed and set free by the power of God. Now I love to take risk and let God surprise me. Every time I take risk, I see more of Him and His heart for us. I'm not afraid to take a risk because I know in my heart, He is very pleased with me that I take a step of faith and believe in Him. I trust in him because he is in control. I see how he loves us and see his wonders. He is more than happy to touch people and heal them. It's so much fun to partner with God. This sounds like someone would be good to hang out with for a little while. I just recall how he would say he would lay hands on, he, he had laid hands on a deaf person and he couldn't even pray words out. He just began to laugh as he had his hands on this deaf person's ears. Just Holy Spirit laughter, joy just came out of his being and deaf ears popped open. That's cool. Did I just pass something I wasn't supposed to? Well, if I did, hey, look at that stranger that just walked in. Here's another good quote. This is gonna be a little bit of quotage here and then we're gonna make some declarations and take communion. This is Chris Gore from his book, Today is a great day for a miracle. We do have one of his books called Walking in Supernatural uh, Healing Power. Really good book, very simplify, simplifying walking in healing people, seeing people healed. This is what he said. When we are in love with Jesus and, we, and know he's in love with us, so you need to know that he's in love with you. It's not a one-way thing. You don't just tell him how much you love him and you hope he loves you back. No, he loves you and loved you first before you ever loved him. And he can't love you more now than he did in the very beginning. Anything can happen. When you love Jesus and, he, and you know he's in love with you, anything can happen. Everything else is birthed out of that place. 
Love and power have to go hand in hand. That's the full gospel. We need love to turn our hearts to the person in front of us. We need to get God's love for them because it helps us to take that first step of risk. See, if you feel the Spirit of God surging the love of God in your heart for that broken person at the grocery store, then you will know it's Him. He's moving you. He's prompting you to release His power to touch them. But if you have no love, what does Paul say? Well, we know that whole chapter 13 of 1 Corinthians. They're just making noise. God wants to reveal His heart to people. So it's good. If, if you struggle, I struggle with that. I'm not always feeling very lovey towards people, you know. It's natural, I think, to look at people's outward appearances and make judgments, you know. Maybe it's their facial expression. You're like, oh, they look really like hard territory to minister to. <laughs> you can tell. You, know, you just look at them like, oh. That's a good time to say, Lord, if you have something for them, show me their heart. Show me what you see. Does that make sense? That should be pretty easy. Okay, that was all of that. Here's a couple questions I want you guys to take home. You ready? In what areas of life do you manifest your faith by taking risks? Just, just ponder it. What areas? In what areas of your life are you hesitant to take risks? And the last question. What beliefs need to be strengthened in you in order to increase your risk-taking? And how will you strengthen these beliefs? See, it, it all comes down to our mindsets. What do we believe? Why would I take a risk if I didn't believe God was going to show up? If I really didn't believe I have an open heaven over me, if I really didn't believe that angels are assisting in the work of ministry, if I really didn't believe I could hear the voice of God, then why, why would I even bother taking a risk? You're like, I don't want to be a fool and do something and not have God show up. So a lot of this just comes to us by renewing our minds and reading the scripture and allowing the word of God to change the way we think. And then I would say making declarations, even reading the word out loud, declaring the truth of God over your life. You could, you, in fact, we're going to do it right now. Well, maybe not right now. We're going to read one more Chris Gore quote. You're not going to find the answer in the problem, but in the presence. Get in his presence, get full, and then leak it on everyone you encounter. You are a fire hose. That's what we always tell the kids. We have church in the house and they're gonna pray for someone in the house. We tell them, cut. we say, kids, we want you to get around that person first. Us adults will stand back. There's no junior Holy Spirit. Kids, put your hand on them. Put your hand on that bum knee or whatever body part that we can lay hands on and put your hand on them. And then I would say, now turn, turn on your fire hose. And then I would help just pray. And the kids would agree and turn on the fire hose. And we've seen miracles happen that way. We see people get up and their pain is gone. Lots of fun stories. But we're running out of time. We gotta take communion. You guys wanna stand up? We're gonna make some declarations and then uh, we'll 
release you to come get your communion and David and Kara or just David, one of you is going to, or both of you are going to walk us through communion. So here we go. Declaration time. You guys ready? Uh, we'll do the declarations first and then have you guys come up. So here we go. Say this together, guys. The power of your words tonight. I run at my Goliaths because I have a big God living in me. I consistently provide others with an encounter with God. I am a God pleaser, not a man pleaser. My risks do not result from an impulsive personality, but from a revelation of how big my God is. I do everything in faith. I do not withdraw my faith after I pray or minister to someone. I take a risk in Jesus' name every day. I'm going to pause for a second. These declarations may not be true in your current experience, but these are things that we are declaring because we want it to be true. So we, we speak that which does not exist yet, and we're prophesying into our tomorrow. So when we say, I take a risk in Jesus' name every day, we are actually declaring that over our tomorrow or tonight, if you go to Fred Myers before you go home. All right, so I take a risk in Jesus' name every day. Say every day. Every day. Okay, I want to make sure you're going to do it every day. If you don't say it, it won't happen. Okay. I lead my people on an adventure of risk and faith. And the last one. My life of risk matches my life of faith. All right. We are going to take communion. Tammy and I are going to help you guys by holding the goods. So before we go into this and David shares, I just want to encourage each one of us that we can speak to ourselves to come out of agreement with unbelief. And we actually have the authority to tell all unbelief to go in Jesus' name. So I just want to release that over us, that we do believe in the power of the resurrection of the cross. We do believe in the healing elements that we're going to partake of. And every morning when we get, when we get up, before you go to bed, just announce that over yourself. I come out of agreement with unbelief and I come into agreement. I am a believer. What he said is true. In the morning when you get up, Holy Spirit, how can I co-labor with you so we can be that open house of God every morning? We can do that. Yeah, and before we go into this communion, just to... Um, tail end of that is you know how do you know when when you know in your heart that you believe who God is and who you are in God because there's a lot there there's a lot to work on and it sometimes it doesn't just come instantly like like Carl is saying read it aloud to yourself read the word aloud to yourself because faith comes by hearing and hearing and you just keep reading the word of God out to yourself. Even if it's by yourself, doesn't matter. That's what I've got to do. And as you read and hear those words, you begin to believe who God is. 
And there's a lot of names that God goes by. Jehovah Jireh, Jehovah Nisi. He's our supplier. He's our provider. He's more powerful than anything. But sometimes it's, it may be hard to know if, if you really believe in that and settle in. But you'll know. Because when shaking comes in the world like it is right now, and fear begins to set in, that's an indicator to us to show us, oh, you know, in, that, in this scenario, I've been putting faith in myself, and I don't know if I'm ready to handle that. See, Jesus says in Matthew 7, 24 through 27, build your house on a rock. And we've heard that story many times before, but sometimes we don't think about what that rock is. That rock is Jesus. And believing and knowing and just inherently believing that he is a provider. We know we've built that house on the rock when the shaking, when shaking and things that we're hearing in the news or whatever, something that could bring fear. We know we're established on the rock because we're like, you know what, that normally would scare me. That normally I would have fear in that thing. But I know God is good. I know that he loves me a lot. I know he's my provider. And I can trust in him. And that's how we can take that risk. When God asks us to do something, we can take those risks because we know he's so good. We can just hang out on that thing that looks like a ledge, and then he's got the next step for us. So, just want to encourage you with that. So, would everybody come up and get some elements? We have Scott's holding the wine in his right hand and grape juice in his left hand. So, just be thinking about what are some areas in your life that that you know that you could trust God and more in. And believe me, there's a lot. But that's why we're all here together at this time. We're all building, we're all building each other up in our faith in him. And we're strengthening each other and speaking words of life to each other to remind each other he is a good God. He's an amazing God. Powerful God. He secures us. He provides for us all the resources we need. He's got, doesn't matter if gas is $5 and $50 a gallon. <laughs> doesn't matter. God's got that provision for us. That's why, that's why every time I'm filling him up at the pump, I'm like, Jesus. We're probably some of the most blessed people in the country because gas is so high. Think about that. We're probably the most blessed. He has the solutions we need when we have complex problems or we have difficult situations in our lives to deal with. And I have to even remind myself this all the time because constantly I'm, I'm, tr I'm trying to rely on my own strength or my own ability to do something. And it's only when we get to the end of ourselves and we finally have that moment, and I've had a few of them in my lifetime, where I'm like, that's it. That's all I had. 
that was all of my strength. That was everything I believed in. I, I have nothing left. I'm at the end of this rope. God, you have to show me how to do this. God, you have to give me... I, and that's when I'm, I let go of my own strength and I grab onto his strength. It's, it's hard to do, but we got to do it. We got to rely on him completely with everything. And we have to totally let go of our own strength. We have to let totally go of strength we believe other people have or other organizations have because they're going to fail us. We got to let go of all of that. We got to totally, totally lean in and grab hold of Jesus with everything that we have. Thank you, Jesus. So I'm going to say a line, and then I'm going to have everybody repeat after me. We're going to take communion. So, I hold up the body and blood of Jesus in the face of every area of darkness that has tried to impact my life. Devil, you have lost. Devil, you have lost. <laughs> Loser. I take the body of Christ, announcing the authority I now have through him to bring sorry, through him to bring heaven to earth. in every area of my life. Let's eat the bread. Thank you, Jesus. I take the blood of Christ, remembering his sacrifice, through which I am saved, healed, and delivered. Thank you, Jesus, that when you said it was finished, you meant that all of eternity had been reclaimed for the kingdom of God. Thank you, Jesus. Let's drink. We'll pray for you guys. Everybody gets in line. Oh, we'll close it out. Okay. Maybe we'll have everybody stand. We'll, we'll say a closing prayer. Lord, thank you for this evening that we get to spend with you and in your presence. We just ask that you would fill our lives, every single moment of it, going forward. We are going through the door into a new season. We thank you, Lord. We are following you everywhere you go. We thank you, Lord, that we can rely on you for everything that we need. All the wisdom, all the strength, all the security, all the provision. 
and we let go of ourselves and everything else that we try to rely on. Those were, those were, that was all sand. And we jump to, we leap to the rock, our Redeemer. We thank you, Lord. We give you all the praise and glory. We say, amen.